0: Well, good afternoon everyone and welcome to Overtime. Overtime is our weekly podcast where we get to do a little bit deeper dive into the weekend message. Mm-hmm. And this is actually episode 104.
1: 104.
0: So That's we, a lot. we are seasoned professionals now. Yeah. Maybe not professionals. Maybe we're just seasoned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <That's> um, <it. laughs> but thanks for joining us. If we haven't met, my name is Ben. And my name's Christian. That's Christian. Christian actually was able to preach for us this past weekend. Yeah. So excited to jump into that. I do have a question that kind of pertains to Luke 15 as a whole that we'll dive into. But before we do that, we usually like to give you kind of a update of what's happening in and around the church. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pretty excited this Friday, there is a youth event that Christian's gonna give you more information about in just a moment. But what we wanna kind of highlight for you is that if you are interested in kind of hearing any updates from our, our PNC, which stands for the Pastoral Nominating Committee, We are going to be having 10 minutes after service this coming Sunday, October 31st. It's also Halloween. It is. So uh, October 31st. 10 minutes after, 15 minutes maybe, after the end of service, there will be kind of a special meeting that will be taking place inside the sanctuary. It will also be on the large LED screen outdoors. And then also it will eventually be online, but it won't be at that exact time. Mm -hmm. Because of our streaming service at 1045, we won't be able to show that meeting. But by Monday, you can go to cllcfamily.church/slash. PNC and you'll be able to watch that full meeting there we expect it it'll take about 30 minutes mm-hmm. um, The there'll be uh, the pastoral nominee. wow I can't speak no, it's okay. nominating <laughs> committee will be there to answer kind of questions that they've heard yeah. that they've had and give you kind of an update of where they stand in that process so we want to let you know about that coming up on October 31st and yeah. you want to let them know about the uh, youth event yeah, I'm excited mention, I'm showing gonna mention, up yeah
1: he's going to be there but I was going to mention one thing since it's Halloween on Sunday I'm going to dress up like you and it's going <laughs> to Super scary for everybody.
0: So That's a real cute. Appreciate.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was thinking I was sitting on that joke for like the last two minutes. Yeah. I didn't hear <laughs> as anything. I just completely you said, rambled. He's yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> "Wait till I show the joke." Uh, as Ben mentioned, yeah, this Friday, uh, the Student Ministry has our annual Nerf Night, uh, which is where we get we get to uh, we get the whole church and we're roaming around uh, playing Nerf games. And so all students are invited to that. It starts, I believe, at six. 30 and goes till about nine o'clock. We'll have snacks and things of the liking. No big meal or anything like that. But all students are invited to come. This is a really good kind of door into the program for students who may not, uh, you know, may not have been with us uh, in recent weeks or any new students who are trying to find a new student ministry community. So that's this Friday. Super excited about that. Actually, we are asking students to RSVP so we can get enough supplies, enough uh, snacks for everybody. If you go to CLCFamily.church/student on the scrolling bar at the top one of the slides is nerf night and there's a little link to rsvp there um and uh yeah it's gonna be really really awesome i'm super excited about it and uh i'm gonna i'm probably gonna shoot you a lot with the nerf gun it's gonna <laughs> be a lot just like old times Cause my first nerf night i was actually his intern yeah and, uh, that's right that was a lot of fun but you weren't here actually, i was I in guatemala yeah, yeah. i was like good luck see yeah, you later it was terrible it was so bad <laughs> But we've since learned and gotten better at them, so
0: I remember uh, calling from Guatemala going, How'd it go? Yeah, and it. now the full disclosure, I had done a nerf night before and I thought it was terrible yeah. the first time I did it. So I was like, I don't wanna have anything to do with that, yeah. but you can do that.
1: And it was terrible <laughs> that time. But the last one that we did last year is actually so good. Yeah. It was so much fun. We've we've uh, we know how to do them now, so they're not terrible. Uh. But uh. And usually they're only terrible because students just don't listen. They just they're yeah. always shooting darts the yeah. whole time. And eye
0: is lost. You know. A lo- yeah. A lot, of things. a lot of fun
1: stuff. But last year was super super awesome. Super excited for this Friday, and I think every student in the area should come out. So this Friday, six thirty. Uh. You can RCP at CFCFamily church students.
0: Yeah. Um. And I wasn't paying attention to him at all. He I wasn't. was actually checking. in emails. Um, No, what I wanted to say is that if you are joining us live, feel free to type in the chat. We've got all four different platforms up and running. So if you have any questions, you're welcome to jump in as we kind of discuss this weekend's message. um, Please feel free to leave any questions, comments there. Um, We love when there's interaction from you, those that are watching. If you're catching this after, if you are one of the many that actually view this, but not at the recorded time. Hey, thanks for joining us. You can always email us your questions, whether it's pertaining to this week or just a general question we love when you guys submit your questions so yeah. you can email us overtime at clcfamily.church or you can simply text us if that's easier 610-869-2140 yeah. so we're going to go ahead and jump into kind of our content we were looking at uh, this was parables week six we were looking uh, at chapter 15 mm-hmm. of the gospel of luke do you want to kind of give us a, a recap of what yeah. we talked
1: about. Yeah, I can give a kind of grand overview. So you actually kind of started this little yeah. section of scripture that we're at now, because uh, I think it's funny sometimes uh, religious people say the darndest things. And that's what happened here in scripture. We had some religious people grumbling because the people that Jesus included were people that they did not include. And so uh, they were grumbling about that. And uh, and so Jesus is like, okay, you're grumbling. Let me give you some some parables to kind of teach you what the kingdom of heaven is like, yeah. to teach you about how it should be. And so Ben started those two. Uh, he started with the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. And I totally ragged on him pretty hard on, a, on Sunday. <laughs> I had Easter. several
0: people say like is is that true yeah no (laughs) yeah it's not
1: it is guys um uh, we, we, we're still praying for Ben. So, um, but yeah, so I'll he, take prayer. Yeah, I'm good with that. He could always use it. Yeah. Um, so he, he started those uh, with the first two parables, which were, you know, losing kind of um, some things that were of value. Yeah. Uh, you know, things that I don't know if many of us have sheep, but we know what it's like to lose something that's of great value. And so this idea that God will go to great lengths to recover that which is lost. And then Jesus kind of wraps up this area of teaching with one more parable, the parable of the prodigal son, which I covered this week. And that is kind of a a bit more of a a personal experience because now we're not losing just items that are of value, but now we're losing, like imagine what it's like to lose a person of value, right? Uh, And so this parable is a beautiful parable um, about the the lengths that Christ will go to that are almost even self-sacrificing lengths. (laughs) that our father will go to to recover that which is lost, in this case, the younger son, who got his dad's inheritance because he demanded it, spent it all on like stupid things, like prostitutes, all this crazy partying, Uh, and then he's just hungry and poor, and he's like, oh, this isn't really what it was cracked up to be. and so he goes back home. The father welcomes him back in a way that is just baffling to anybody listening. And so it's a really interesting parable because it could have ended. I mentioned it could have ended there. Like we see this glorious picture of how gracious God is. He brings back, he invites back, or he kind of welcomes back this son who would wished him dead a few passages earlier and brings him back and welcomes him back. Uh, and that, just like the other parables, is what they're about, recovering the lost item. But then Jesus isn't done there He's, again, all of these parables are in response to that stupid thing that the the Pharisee had grumbled about, you know, why are we including these people? Why does Jesus eat yeah. with them? Why does he invite them along? This is ridiculous. So the second half of the parable, um, I think, was aimed more towards the Pharisees. It was a commentary on how they are getting it wrong. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, I think I said this a few weeks ago, that if, if there's any person or any any body of people today that are the equivalent of the Pharisees, it would be us because Pharisees were like middle to upper class religious people. Uh, and that would kind of be us today, which I know is hard to hear. I don't mention that stuff to bring shame or guilt, but I do mention it because I think God's calling us to so much more and it's so easy to settle and just like not to participate in that which God is doing. So the second half of the parable is kind of a critique of the religious. Uh, we have this older brother who decides not to go to the Celebration of his younger brother who just got back uh, and is welcome back to the family, and then the father goes out of the house a second time to say, "Hey, what are you doing out here? We would love for you to participate in what is happening." And then the older brother, uh, his sin is self righteousness, and his sin is only following the father for what he can get from the father. Um, and so, if you, you if you you take the father out of the equation, he might not be sad at all. Um, hmm. So uh, yeah, so both both uh, sons were lost the nature of their being lost was just different. And Jesus was trying to communicate to the Pharisees that they, in some sense, are more lost than the son who spent his inheritance on prostitutes and reckless living. He said, uh, the, the, and which is would have been baffling to hear that, right? Because they're thinking, we're doing this right. We, we got this down. We are killing it in the religious game. But Jesus is like, actually, you know, there's one son that's lost at the end of the parable, and it's not the, the guy who's caught up in prostitutes. It is you guys, the religious people, because you're relying on yourself, right? I just know. Yeah. So that would have been a really difficult parable for them to hear. Hopefully, uh, hopefully it was a little difficult for us to hear. Sure. Hopefully it stirs something in us to kind of self-evaluate, and that's what we did near the end of the sermon. I kind of said like, "Hey, let's answer some of these questions honestly. Do we, mm. do we, uh, you know, do we reflect the nature of the older son?" And so mm. hopefully it stirs um, some holy discontentment up in ourselves that we might subscribe to what God has for us, because um, mm. I think only then can we experience the kingdom of heaven. And so yeah. Yeah, It's kind of an overview, uh, a yeah. 50-foot-thousand glance, yeah. if you will.
0: So this, uh, I think that I'd said it the week previous, like this one specifically, the one that you were looking at, so it was verses 11 through... 32, 32. yeah. 32, yeah. Like this one is definitely like one of Jesus's greatest hits. Oh, right? yeah, Like yeah. if you grew up in church or Sunday school, or maybe one. if you didn't, you probably heard that. Yeah. I feel like my first question is more of a lighthearted one of going, do you enjoy kind of those very classic stories. I like, do you like preaching those? Do you find that you like the more obscure scriptures, or you know, somewhere in the middle?
1: It's it's like it's a double-edged sword. I enjoy it because that is, it's just a powerful parable. Yeah. But the hard side, like the difficult side, the flip side of that is, you know, some people come into the sanctuary and they're like, "I've heard this story like a dozen sure. times." Sure. And this That was me. Like I've I've heard this story so many times, so almost it's a bit more challenging to sure. kind of work through that initial um, initial wall, if you will, uh, to invite people to see it differently. Uh, and not even in a new way, but to, to continue. And I think this is what we have to do with scripture. Continue to come back to it to see uh, what God is telling us. Because sometimes yeah. in seasons of life, I might hear more from the experience of the younger son um, yeah. because I might identify with him. Or, you know, some days I might need to hear more about the critique of the older son. And so, um, so I love teaching stuff like this, but it is a little tricky because I'm like, sure. I'm probably teaching to a lot of people who have heard this a lot before, um, and so there's that weird pressure as a pastor to try and give something new yeah, to yeah. the congregation. And so I was trying to trying to do that in a way that made sense. Um, but but at the same time, just letting scripture speak and, yeah. and kind of call out the mess in us and the sin in us. And so, uh, so yes and no, <laughs> to answer your question. <laughs> I love teaching that stuff. That's my, as I said on Sunday, I think it's my favorite parable. Yeah. I think um, when I was in high school, I resonated a lot with that parable. It spoke a lot to me about who God was. And I think that was kind of one of the turning points in my faith. I would say I'm in ministry today because of a parable, because of this parable in mm. some ways. Um, so yeah, love teaching it, but it's it can be particularly challenging sure. as well.
0: Sure. So, yeah. One of one of the things you did at the beginning was you you talked about kind of sayings, right? That, yeah. that your your family specifically had your mom oh, yeah. and your dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you want to repeat any of those, like. Yeah. Uh, I, I can think of a few leaders, like people that I've been under. Like, one of them was like, you know, I don't speak for my health. Yeah. And it sounds really yeah. crass, right? Yeah. I like to yeah. say it, but it was more of a joke in which yeah. it was said. So, um, you had talked about a few of them and kind of landed on the last one yeah. was that your mom had often said, Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy, right? Did, yeah. Was it like, did she say it that cadence or it's, was it like oh It depended
1: Lord. on the setting, right? <laughs> like sometimes she'd sh- shake her head and be like Lord have mercy. Because
0: right? I know your mother. Oh yeah, yeah. Like, like, I know, know her your mom. mom so. you,
1: you've seen her in her different like, personalities, <laughs> yes, right? Yeah. Uh, she'll say like, lo- you know, Lord have mercy. If she's like really like heated up, she'll be like, Lord have mercy. Right? <laughs> she's a great person, by the way. I love yeah. my mom. Um, But uh, yeah, depending on the day. But it was like, it's, it's funny. It's, like a saying that could mean so many different things depending on the context Um, but that was something that she'd go to a lot and she still says it to this day and so
0: uh, yeah. So so you had tied that into the message. Yeah. Or you kind of had said it. It was kind of a call and response throughout the message. Yeah. What made you want to use that as a call and response? Was that yeah. more of, hey, want to keep everybody on their you know, like awake? Yeah, Is that yeah, yeah. more, have got a couple jokes that I'm going to throw out at Ben if I say this? Yeah. Like, well, what was the, the thought behind that?
1: It was, you know, all of the reasons. I think one, it does keep, you know, it does keep people a bit more engaged. Sure. And I wrestle with the tension of like, oh, I don't want to Prioritize like ah, entertainment or just yeah, like yeah. humor. Those are those are good tools, um, but it does keep people a little bit engaged. Sure. But I think that since the saying is so versatile. Um, it did tie in. Well, first yeah. off, the primary reason was because this parable was one of great, like, ridiculous yeah. mercy, and that's the that's the example that we see both times when the father leaves the house to invite yeah. the younger son back in. Like, what incredible mercy! Because all the Pharisees would have thought this guy deserves punishment. Like, yeah. there's there's no way around it. Like, that is exactly what he deserves but that's not what the Father does, yeah. right? And that's the same for us. That's The Father does not give us what we deserve. That's what mercy is. It's not getting what you deserve, which is punishment, right? Instead, he gives us grace, and grace is giving someone that which they do, uh, That's that which they, sorry, mercy is giving someone, not giving someone something they do deserve, like hmm. punishment. Grace is giving someone something they don't deserve, like compassion, grace, and yeah. forgiveness, right? And, and love. And so um, so I thought, man, this parable is one of incredible mercy. Yeah. I think the grace and mercy the two things that come to my attention when I think of this parable because it's just it's such a beautiful picture of it and yeah. such a tangible picture of it too. And so as I was kind of working through the content, I was like, this is a really good one. And then I thought, hey, this saying fits pretty well with it because like I can see Pharisees saying, like, Lord have mercy, like, why is he doing this? Why is he inviting these people in, or 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 just the reality of like, hey, Lord have mercy, and mm-hmm. he was like, we saw that in just how uh, in the the nature of the parable. So I thought it makes it makes sense content-wise yeah, to include did. that, but then pra- pragmatically from like a, a as a tool standpoint, it does engage people a bit more. I did have a really funny joke against Ben on that, <laughs> which uh, I. <laughs> I always had to like step back from the mic just to like laugh, or I couldn't step back from the mic. It was on my face, but I, it, I always had to pause for a second because uh, the the oh, congregation really, really enjoyed that you, one. You were enjoying it, yeah. As well, I, so I enjoyed it a lot too. To yeah, um, I so, do not
0: play with the dolls at my desk. They're at home, store. Yeah, that's yeah.
1: That's exactly
0: what I have. So mostly. anyway, I'm gonna mute his microphone. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: so yeah, yeah. So I thought the saying it worked well, it like worked well in that sense. But it, yeah. like it is just kind of invitation, like Lord have mercy. And right? I feel
0: so. like that you're so right. I felt like it tied so well into it. Yeah. And it also brought another layer that from the beginning we were talking about mercy, but then we're seeing mercy played out. Yeah. Yeah. In so many different ways. Yeah. Yeah. We see the father specifically in his coming to the lost, both lost sons, right? Two sons that were lost. One in, as you said, uh, you know, sin, one in self-righteousness. Like, there is great mercy in that. And it's just, for me, as I look at this, because, again, we're going back to, this is a response to the Pharisees grumbling that Jesus spent time spent time with tax collectors and sinners, right? Yeah. That he eats with them, that he spends time with them. Jesus is telling a different parable. Here's what the kingdom of God is like. Here's what the kingdom of heaven is like. Yeah. And in that, he's also showing mercy. Yeah. Like, I think that that's what's so amazing is that... Th- the religious elite are the opponents of Jesus, right? Yeah, like yeah. they are the ones that we are seeing time and time and time and time again. Yeah. Jesus is teaching and correcting and molding and modeling, but he, he's also offering mercy yeah. in that.
1: Which that, that was one thing I actually had in my notes that I took out cuz I thought I was going to be long, but I okay. was like I was uh, one thing I mentioned is like gosh, may we not be the Pharisees. Like yeah. may we yeah. not have the same problem. Like I hope if Jesus If he were here today, I hope we wouldn't be the people that he'd have to give this teaching to Um, because... That was the case then. And so the hope is that we are not so preoccupied with yeah. ourselves, with our righteousness, with our, you know, our wants and desires that we totally neglect what Jesus is inviting us into. So my yeah. prayer is that this would not be us in the slightest, um, that we can model what it is that Jesus is inviting us to and inviting the Pharisees to in that time. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a hard passage. It's, yeah,
0: it's it's also one of my favorites as well. Yeah, like, yeah, I just feel like... All of Luke 15, I feel like as I was, I think I shared this the week before. Like whenever I would you know, like share my testimony, I feel like I would use the parable of the lost sheep because yeah. that's very much what I felt like. I felt like I was in in the flock, like I know I knew who Jesus was, but I chose to walk away, mm-hmm. and Christ searched for me until I found him. Yeah. Right, like yeah. so, I just feel like this entire chapter 15 just resonates so much yeah. within me. So yeah. I, I thought that adding that, Lord have mercy, was a great way of kind of tying in but also kind of preaching from the very beginning of yeah of that is what jesus was doing yeah. he was having mercy on the sinner and on the saint yeah or yeah. The, at least the pharisee yeah, yeah that's
1: good that's really good
0: so as we kind of jump into the scripture so um what we usually do is or sometimes i say usually i like to kind of go verse by verse if there's any other thoughts that you had um or a retelling of what you said on sunday you're welcome to but Um, But let's just kind of jump in there and please jump in if you have any thoughts. For sure. um, So Jesus tells the two parables and then verse 11 says this. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them, and I'm going to pause there because you talked about the significance of this. This yeah. is this is kind of saying, Dad, I, I wish you were dead. Yeah, right. right? I like, don't want
1: to wait for you to die yeah. for my inheritance. I want it now.
0: And so. also, one of the things that I, I mean, I've studied this myself, but yeah. I never thought about. Well, that means that he sold property. Yeah. Like, So in my mind, I'm curious. I'm going, man. And again, this is a made-up story. So we might be adding details that we're wondering or speculating or thinking. That's what
1: the listeners would have done, actually. Yes.
0: So Jesus is telling this story where we're we're looking at it as like, well, did this happen or this happened or this happened? And we don't know the answer. Like Jesus is so good at pulling out and making a story that is so applicable Mm -hmm. that makes you think, that makes there be kind of this process of what's happening there. But it's just amazing where you see so he divided his property between them yeah. but that probably entails as you talked about selling the property and and does that mean that time would have passed like is it this estranged relationship that yeah. happens over the course of of months now again yeah this is a parable that jesus is just making mm-hmm. up yeah. so none of this is actual questions like that we can answer yeah it's He's just tried. interesting what do you think the the listeners here At that moment as Jesus is saying
1: that. Yeah, I mean, so they would have thought that that that's a significant, one, that's a significant ask. Like, like, I don't want to wait for you to die. I want my inheritance now. That would have been, uh, I mean, it'd be rude today, but it would have been just unbelievably rude. Yeah.
0: Um, It was a shame on our culture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So
1: it would have, that would have... um, That would have been a very shameful thing to ask, and that would warrant great punishment, like right from the get go. Um, And so the fact is that, like, that's not what happens here at all, which would have been really confusing for the Pharisees. Like, wait, what? The father actually did that? (laughs) Um, Because I mentioned on Sunday, um, the. the, the word for property isn't like oh, yeah. property in Greek. It is, I think it's bios, um, I hope I'm saying that right, in Greek, which means life. And so yeah. if we read it, he divided his life between them, which mm-hmm. is very self-inflicting, self-sacrificial, <laughs> um, because it would have meant that he would have to liquidate some of his assets, um, sell some property, which um, to have any... Like back then, their, their their primary asset was their land. It wasn't a bank yeah. account. It wasn't a 401k, anything like that. It was their land. And so for him to uh, to give of his property was to give of the very source of life that he has. It was to be self-inflicting to sell the land just to give it to the younger son to spend on extravagant parties and stuff. And so that would have been, uh, I've, I've never read that before, but that's not almost self inflicting to do that yeah. um that would have you know that's like selling your you're getting rid of your 401k or selling your house uh and all the land that you have to give it to your child who just because they demanded it and the father did that and yeah. that would have been just Unreal to imagine um, that the father would respond in that way. So one thing, yeah, making the request is baffling enough, but for the father to sit and be like, okay, yeah. and just do that, would have been yeah. like, wait, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so I thought that was very interesting, the fact that he divided his property, his not just his property, but his life. And I think yeah. that's just representative of, is that what we see Jesus do when he actually makes it to Jerusalem? Mm. He he divides his life, basically he dies. It's self-inflicting yeah. so that who would benefit the sinner, right? The, yeah. Those who are broken. Um, so I just think it's such... That kind of helped me understand it more fully. And I was like, that's something cool I've never yeah. learned before. It, so.
0: it is. So it's a foreshadowing of what Christ is doing. Like. Yeah. So not only is he teaching through this parable, through this made-up story, there's also kind of this implied... Watch what the Father does. Yeah, like, like watch, watch what the what Jesus does. Yeah,
1: and I, I have to give a lot of credit to. I, I know Tim Keller's got a book on this. Yeah. I think it's called Tim, The Prodigal Son. Uh,
0: Prodigal God. Prodigal God. Okay. It's a great book. If yeah, you've never read, read it, read it. Like, like yeah, it really <laughs> shaped some of my thoughts on this. Yeah, too. But I
1: gathered. I did use some of uh, uh, resources that he had worked on to kind of get some of this information, but mm-hmm. that was something that Tim Keller. Uh, had uh, made me aware of. And I was like, yeah, hey, that's pretty cool. I didn't yeah. know that before. So. Yeah,
0: it's really cool. But it does paint a
1: picture of the depth of the par- parable yeah. and the depth of what Jesus is teaching in this moment. So Yeah,
0: I just feel like I'm always amazed Like as we're going through this parable series. Yeah. like Jesus comes up with these perfect illustrations that are like not just for that moment, but he's also illustrating the kingdom, but he's also illustrating his life.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like,
0: he was by far the greatest storyteller or parable teller that ever existed. Yeah. Like, I just, I wish I was that good yeah, at communicating. Yeah, right, just to
1: respond so quickly. Like, let me tell you
0: a story yeah. here, kids. Like,
1: and it's so funny because it's like, it's just so natural in the response yeah. to like something that someone said. Like, yeah. you know, imagine you're in a meeting and then someone says something stupid and you're like, okay. I got three powerful stories that I got to yeah, tell you real right, quick. Yeah, right, right. Uh, but I just think that, and that's even so gracious of him to respond in such a way. Yeah. Because it's easy; you could he could condemn them right then and there and right. be like, "You're right. wrong." Like just you, but, like the father could. Just, right? just like the father like, just could. But get he Get out of here. Right. He was gracious and said, "Hey, I want to teach you something here." Yeah. Kind of. It's kind of like that. You know, when you fail in life, and like maybe a mentor. No, I've never experienced that. Yeah, Ben He's he's self righteous. <laughs> Okay. Uh, you Ouch. know, Yeah. I was joking. Yeah, I was joking too. <laughs> uh, do you know, but you know if like you, um, you're in life and you fail, but then you have a mentor or parent yeah. who kind of takes you under their wing and they're like, let me, you know, yeah. it's okay. Let me show you the right way. Let me, let me, they kind of use as a teaching moment. Yeah, right. right. Um, yeah. That's kind of what the father does here, even though he's every right. Cause this is like. <laughs> Maybe the 50th time he's tried to, like, right the wrongs here. Um, but he's like, let me take you under my wing again yep. and try and show you the way of the kingdom. So, uh, yeah, such a gracious thing for him to do. All right. So You're we're not self-righteous. We're two
0: verses in. So uh, 24 minutes, we're doing great. Wow, yeah, um, we are. So 13 says this. Not long, after, uh, not long after that, the younger son got together all he had. Set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Uh, I'm just going to keep reading until either I have a thought or you sure. have one. Jumping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 14 says after he had spent t- uh, spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything.
1: So just, we see like a flip from like. He's yeah. probably like, life is
0: good. I got all I want. To right. like,
1: I have nothing. Right. Uh, and I think that's like representative too of just um. Uh just this idea of like this this silly idea that we think we could satisfy ourselves with anything like imagine like you had an abundance of money and resources uh you know i've never seen uh, yeah and imagined yeah imagine you have an uh, abundance of these resources but like do you ever find someone who's truly happy truly content truly Mm. satisfied to the point where they're not looking for more satisfaction right that's never the case and i think that's just indicative and representative of the fact that you know we could have everything at our disposal but still not be happy and i think that's what we see here in this situation with the younger son and he is um he is then uh in need and he's like i had everything i needed and then i just squandered or squandered it all it reminds me of a quote that i once heard that some people are uh so uh what is it some people are so poor all they have is money right and it's this idea of uh that this guy that this guy had everything he needed but he's now totally poor because he yep. just blew it all. So um, that, it's funny, as the parable is going on, it's like adding insult to injury of like yeah, right, the, right. the kind of disgrace of this younger guy. So Jesus is painting a picture of the Pharisees like, this dude did everything wrong right. because you don't right. feed pigs. You don't associate with pigs. You don't hire right. yourself out to what would have been a Gentile. Right. Like you do not do those things. You don't say this to your father. And so the Pharisees are like, okay, this guy is in for a huge punishment. Right. It is going to be crazy. It's going to be juicy. Like what? Spill the tea. What happens to these younger sons? So Jesus is just painting a picture of, hey, this guy's doing everything absolutely
0: wrong. 100%. uh, And he's guilty of a lot of things. And and those things such as like associating with pigs, right? Like eating, I don't know, pigs maybe potentially like that would be against the Levitical law. Like all of these things ostracized him that much more from where where the pharisees where the religious leaders and even on some level not to the level that the pharisees took it where they created their own laws but even on some level to where the law that god had established it ostracized him from that and then especially the laws on top of the laws on top of the laws that the pharisees did like it only further paints a picture of going you're further you're further you're further yeah you can't get any farther
1: yeah like if this were a court case this would just be mounting evidence for why this kid deserves punishment uh and so yeah i mean it's bad and now now the the this younger son uh is wanting to eat pig food so we realize he's kind of at rock bottom famines were not entirely uncommon um back then and so uh yeah, this kid is experiencing that firsthand and he just had all his, all his money and all his property yeah. that his father gave him that he just totally squandered. And yeah. so difficult spot to be in.
0: And I wonder, so in verse 13, it says not long after that, but I wonder, depending on, you know, the wealth of the father, like there's yeah. again, a hypothetical story. So yeah. we're, at, I'm asking and thinking all these questions that Jesus just made this story up. So there is no answer, but it's, it's for me, as I read this, it's an implied time has gone by, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. probably a significant amount of time that he squanders all of his wealth. Yeah. Because he goes from presumably a father who has a lot, who sells a third of his possessions, yeah. gives it to the son. He probably lives that way for a couple years or whatever, you know, yeah. presumably. Yeah. And then he gets to this low point. Yeah. And I think that it's just amazing when you even add the idea of this. Maybe Jesus meant to imply time because, again, in 13, he says, um, let me just read it word for word. It says, not long after that. So there's some sense of time that has passed in this made up story. But it's further and further and further, a distancing and distancing and distancing. Yet, I love jumping ahead. I love that the father is looking Kind of for his almost. son yeah he so we'll get there in a second so um so we'll just jump back in at 17 it says um or jumping back we ended at 16 um when he came to his senses he said how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare and here i am starving i will set out and go back to my father and say to him father i've sinned against heaven and against you what, what do you think that means in there, the sinned against heaven and sinned against you? Like, obviously, yeah. we can see sinned against you, like, hmm. hey, I wish you are dead. Any ideas or thoughts sinned against heaven?
1: You know, that's a really great question. I'll be honest. This is the first time I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. So, in this case, you know, obviously, uh, obviously, in the story itself, the while the, while we are interpreting the story, the Father represents God, but yeah. in the story itself um he's talking to his dad and so it could be representing like I've sinned against all of the heavens yeah. just could could uh could paint a picture of his his sin like I've not only sinned against you but just right. everything that is holy like yeah, I'm just right, totally right. violated i um, just a right. thought, but like it's just it's it's painting a picture of the depth of his sin, perhaps right. like not only have a sinned against you dad, but like, just like everything that was good, everything is holy. I've yeah. just, I've just destroyed all of it. And so yeah. I don't know, maybe
0: institution pigs. Like, yeah. Those maybe, things. Yeah. Like, he, it's not just a violation of his father. It was a violation of what was holy.
1: Yeah. yeah. So that's a, an initial thought. Yeah. Um, that's my, but thought I, I didn't even think of that. It's a really, really good question there. So yeah, um,
0: I, I asked some great questions. He's good at this guy. He's once a in a while.
1: professional. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I, I feel like as I read through it, I thought that. Just yeah, I that's wonder, great. I wonder what that means, but I I, I agree with you. I think yeah. what you said is probably how I would answer so that. I'm sure well.
1: if I like, confess, I say, you know, I've sinned against you. But if I say I said against heaven and you, it's like, that's <laughs> a whole degree of like yeah. messing up. And
0: recognizing that. Yeah. Right? Not like, yeah. oh, yeah, sorry, dad, I hurt you, but mom's fine. Yeah. But, yeah like right? I've sinned against you and mom and brother and heaven. Like I've hurt everybody. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and maybe what we're getting here is a picture of, Hopefully, his self-awareness. He's like, yeah. okay, yeah, I've ha- I have hurt my yeah, dad, but I've right. hurt so many other people along the way. Like, um, so maybe he's coming to reality with his own brokenness. Which, you know, I heard a quote once. Like, when you come to, I'm gonna screw it up. I won't do it <laughs> verbatim, but uh, when you, um, when you come across your own brokenness, like that is the, a sign of the presence of God, right? Mm. Because if you can come to terms with how you've messed up, your shortcomings, your flaws. Like that is uh, that is indicative that God is present in that mm-hmm. moment because um, because you know it's really hard for some people to come to this reality like oh my gosh I'm really broken and I need a savior right um, and so when we have this moment when we've identified oh I've sinned against heaven and yeah. before you like what a what a holy moment almost because you are realizing um, that you don't have it all together that you are in need of someone greater to redeem and restore you and so um, so yeah so this is kind of a, a Good moment because the the, you know on the on the contrary the opposite of that would be like just saying oh there's nothing wrong with me right which is what the older son does like I've done it all perfectly right right Right. no you haven't right and so when we can come to this point where we admit and acknowledge I've I've just royally messed this up. Um, what a beautiful, good moment. Like, that yeah. is a holy moment um, because a lot of people don't ever, you know, make it to that moment where they see their own brokenness. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so, this is a really cool moment in the passage, but, uh, you know, uh, the people listening, Would have been like, yeah, you sinned against heaven and before your father. Like you've done terrible things. Yeah, Um, yeah. And so, and on
0: some level, they're probably going, oh man, I can't wait until he gets it. He gets his punishment. When I hope he goes back to his dad, because his dad is gonna beat
1: him. Yeah, yeah. Like that's what I'm sure they would have thought that because especially like with. Levitical law and Deuteronomic law, like, you know, um, it was kind of those, and this is what Jesus taught against later on, I think it was later on, or maybe it was earlier, you know, um, where, you know, uh, they, if you do something, you or do punishment, right? And Mm. that's just justice. Like, we have a just God who's that same way, but he just gives his punishment to the Son instead of those who deserve it, which is mercy and grace uh but uh yeah anyway they would have thought like he he he's due punishment and he's going to get that when he gets home so right the
0: old testament was an eye for an eye right yeah and that's why jesus
1: said you've heard it said an eye for an eye but i'm actually changing it or we're doing it you know this different way so
0: so continuing on verse 19 so it says i've sinned against heaven and against you 19 says i'm no longer worthy to be called your son make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. And we'll just pause right there in the middle of 20. Um, Like, I love what you said. He had this practiced speech. Yeah. Right? Like He's going, okay. All right, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to work through it. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's saying it in the mirror. Like, he's psyching himself up. Maybe he doesn't have a mirror. Maybe he's just looking at his reflection. Did they have mirrors back then? I don't know. It was kind of. It wasn't a great reflection. it was like an imperfect. Like James. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's what I'm thinking of. Um, So, like, he's... He's kind of practicing this. Yeah. And then, I love 20, but it says, so he got up and he went to his father. Who knows how long that journey takes? Again, made up story. That's not the point. So he gets to his father and it says this, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. He threw his arms. uh, Oh man, I just lost my thought and lost my spot. Um. He threw his arms around him and kissed him. Mm. I love the fact that the father is looking for him while he is still a long way off. Like, I don't think that it's by accident that he spots him from a distance, right? Like, I feel like it's very much at least how I read and interpret this. Maybe this is just my interpretation of it. But the father is actively looking for his son. Like, the father longs to be back in relationship with his son. And so he's looking for a son and when he sees him he does what no no man should do yeah. in in that time he girds up his loins like he pulls up his skirt and yeah. he runs yeah yeah and Which that, is
1: baffling. that yeah. like this this would be the climax of the story and people would be like wait no what way. yeah like this is no so way. ridiculous right cuz you don't want you just don't run but the, like why would he run to his son who did yeah. that why would he run to his son who just squandered you know the property that the the father self you know self-inflicted gave yeah. to him like this is ridiculous. He deserves punishment. So this would have been just like, I'm sure maybe I can imagine like I can, it doesn't say anything like this in scripture. I can just imagine some ph- Pharisees got up and like walked out, right? Like <laughs> this is ridiculous. This is a stupid story. I'm not listening to it anymore, right? Yeah. Um. This would have just been a ri- really ridiculous moment. Um, yeah. But I think this is it. There's no. In my opinion. Aside from the cross, aside from the work of Christ, I don't think there's any more clear picture of who the Father is, of who, who our God is that we on our worst days uh he's looking at he's looking for us um to chase after us and i actually just thought of this like you know this i didn't realize until now this kind of differs in the previous two parables because um here we in the previous two the owner actually went out to look for the items and so some of you might be thinking wait why didn't the father just leave the house and go look for his son Mm -hmm. well you know the son kind of didn't want anything to do with the father right Right. so sometimes God will give us to our free will. And if we say, I don't want anything to do with you, God's saying, I want to honor your wish. And... You know, obviously we don't, it's a, It's the wrong wish to make, to to excommunicate ourselves from the Father, to depart from the Father, right? Um, but uh, God, a lot of times in Scripture, sometimes we get a picture of this where He honors our wish. Like if we're going to be yeah. defiant, if we're going to push against that, He's not going to force us to stay in a relationship that we may, right. you know, have a lapse of judgment and not want to stay in. And so, um, but I think what we see here is when the Son makes the decision to come back and the Father sees that, that yeah. that's happening, he's like, holy cow, this is it. And so then he against all cultural norms and expectations, uh picks up his uh his robe and runs out to his son. And that would have been just like insane for the yeah. listeners to the listeners see that would happen. have
0: been mortified. Yeah. Right? yeah. Like, no, that's so wrong. Who yeah. is this? idiot father that yeah. is doing everything wrong. And we need to put ourselves in this story, too, yeah. because, you
1: know, um, I think when I was younger, I didn't like get an inheritance and squander it. Like I <laughs> didn't do that. Um, but like sometimes I identified with the younger son so I was like, yeah. man, I've had moments where like I just didn't want anything to do with God. I kind of did my own thing and just totally mm-hmm. rejected God. Um, but then just this idea of even in those moments, God's kind of waiting out, looking for me, yeah. um, was so freeing. And the idea that I could come home to the Father and just be welcomed um, in a ridiculous manner. Just like, that's who God is? Like, I thought I had to be good enough. I thought I had to do more. I thought I had to, like, you know, um, yeah, be holy enough, know enough scripture, all that stuff. Um, But, you know... That's what may, grace and mercy is. It's that God's inviting us back, regardless of us, and I think that's just such a cool picture. So, I hope we can put ourselves in the story and, and you know um, know that that's what God's up to all the time, and He's always waiting for us to come back. So, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, quick shout out. Want to say hi to Sally and hey to hey, Victoria. Hey. Thanks for joining us. Guys. How you doing? Uh, if you have any questions, by all means, please let us know. But. Yeah, so continuing on, it says, the, so then the son actually gets the opportunity to say his practice. Speech. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so 21, it says, the son said to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Mm. But the father said to his servants, like he's halfway through like his, his speech, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And the father's like, yeah, yeah, that's great. Be quiet. Cool stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. And we'll pause right there. So, uh, was there much significance to the robe? I, I don't remember. I, um, I really appreciated it. Like, I had never heard about the sandals. You know, yeah. I think you had said, what was it? Slaves and Slaves hired wore, men yeah. didn't wear sandals, but yeah. children did. Yeah. Yeah. Right?
1: Like, yeah. So, that was in one of the commentaries I read. You know, I'm not too sure about a robe, but I'm sure it's because. If he didn't have enough money for food, he was sure. probably near naked, or sure. and I, I'm speculating that Scripture doesn't exactly tell us. But if he's pretty poor, we can imagine that he wasn't very well kept. Um, yeah. That he might have been uncomfortable in messy clothes, messy rags, sure. and so that's just maybe a a um, an act of hospitality and care like just to maybe he's providing a need that the son has to just be well clothed and to find clean clothing right um and so it's cool that we see the father first reacting to the needs of the son um Hmm. as he's kind of showing him some love so uh yeah that that's my only idea now i'd be interested to read a bit more about that too but um yeah and it's funny it's just like not just any robe, like, it's like, it's yeah. like they have a closet full of robes and it's like, you know, get the robe, like the <laughs> best one. Right. Yeah, uh, And it's just cool. Just that the fact that it's just, like the best one, like the, the best thing that we have is, uh, <laughs> that would have been insulting to the Pharisees too. What? Like you're going to give them a robe, but then you're also going to give them the best right. robe. Like, right. what are you doing? Um, so I, yeah, I just think it's a, maybe a really cool moment of hospitality. Yeah. Um, and for the sun to probably hear that, like, wait, what? Like, that's what, what? That's crazy. Um, that would have been really, really, um, powerful for the sun and hopefully it's powerful for us that like yeah. God's advocating for us in that way.
0: I feel like that's what I wanted to drill just down on a little bit more of going, if you have come to your realization of how wicked or evil or how wrong mm. you've done, it is almost overwhelming to be received with such love and grace oh, yeah. and compassion. like, And I think that for most of us, we've probably experienced that on some level, or at least I pray that we have. If not, maybe we don't have a great understanding of our depth yeah. of, of sin and are, are missing the point. But yeah. I, I just feel like it is such a beautiful picture of what God does for us yeah. is that he so willingly, at his expense, at the expense of of what, it, what is owned of his, right? Like, or at this point, maybe it's even the argument that the inheritance, everything that is his will become the older sons. Yeah. But like, he is so willing to give and to show love and care and consideration. It's just a, such a beautiful, beautiful picture. Yeah,
1: yeah. And this is what would probably have been expensive too. Like if they have the best robe, then it's yeah. probably the most expensive robe, right? Or yeah. even a ring or sandals, whatever, whatever it is. But yeah, he's willing to... I mean, he's doing some costly things there I mean, yeah that's not even the biggest thing the biggest gift of all is the yeah.
0: the calf. the fattened calf yeah. yeah it's a celebration and a celebration wasn't just something that happened like think about it they are literally taking this calf from the butcher shop right like from the pasture to the butcher shop mm. to preparation to cooking like this is not just hey we're gonna have a couple thing. hour thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah no this is a joyous celebration where friends are being called the neighbors like this, uh, verse 24, for the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was hmm. lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. This is get all of the, the hired hands. This is get everybody you know. Yeah. Because we are about to celebrate. We're going to kill a cow. Yeah. And we are going to eat and dance. Because
1: they all thought he was dead. Like, yeah. I can't, you know, it's hard to imagine what that would be like. Someone you think is just long gone. And here he is. So, of course, you throw a celebration. You say, tell all your friends. His friends, his family. Hey, you know he's alive again. He's actually here with us right now. You need to get over here because uh, the celebration is in order. So, um, fat and calves. Uh, we talked a little bit about that this on Sunday. Like that was the the. Um, that was like the biggest delicacy yeah. of the time It's just like a fattened calf because you, you don't just have a bunch of those lying around. Right. Uh, it takes a while to get, you know, a fat uh, a calf fattened like, and ready in time for this celebration. Um, and so that would have been a really expensive delicacy, um, yeah. you know, one of which would also have been costly. So it's interesting even... As the son's leaving, he gives him costly things, the inheritance. And as he comes back, he gets costly gifts as well. Um, And that's just representative of God's love for us. So, yeah. And
0: and so then we, uh, what I love is that that would make, you talked about it on Sunday, that makes a great story, like illustrates the point, but also remembering again why Jesus is doing this. Yeah. We now focus on the second son. The Second son is equally as lost, yeah. just lost to self-righteousness. And for me, I have to admit that as as I was growing up, I feel like I always felt bad for the second son. Like hmm. almost going, yeah, man, that kind of stinks. That kid did it all right, but... I, yeah. I really do think that it was Tim Keller's book that helped yeah. me understand of going, wait a minute, yeah, there's self-righteousness. And yeah. and looking at this parable in context yeah. of the other two parables and the reason why he's sharing it, like it changes your view of it. But I also feel like I was the second son while I grew up. Yeah, Like there was a season that I walked away from Christ. But before that, I would say that I was the second son of yeah. going, I do it right, why yeah. don't you do it right?
1: I feel like you know it was the same way i first identified with the younger son and then as i got older i was like the older son yeah I, and not that it's like you know seasonal it could be just like yeah i don't know it's a dance between the two sometimes if the hope is that we are learning Hi, linda
0: glad you're there too hey, sorry how you doing sorry.
1: uh but the hope is that we're kind of learning along the way and yeah. that's why jesus is doing a parable like this because it's interesting again i mentioned the beginning as jesus is teaching a lot of like you know uh marginalized people and those who maybe yeah. were poor or were neglected neglected by uh the the upper class people and the religious people they're like oh like this guy's including me like let me come along and so the first half of this parable would have been really powerful for them um and it was maybe more geared towards them to say hey this is how this is who god is um but then i mean obviously both audiences heard it but the first part the younger son represented some of these marginalized people who were neglected and then the second half jesus is kind of speaking straight to the pharisees and you know what it is that he expects of them too so um yeah. Sorry, I was
0: a little tangent. No, that's good, I'm, I'm good sorry. at tangent. I was looking, I was reading through the question, which is kind of a long one, which I want to get to. Yeah. Um, but let's, so this is what it says. 25 says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. You got to be dancing really hard to hear music and, <laughs> and dancing, dancing, yeah, right. Like that's that's, house that's a house party. Yeah, yeah right? that's gonna be
1: crazy. <laughs> I mean, it's live music, right? I'm, I don't think they're playing something off their MP3 player or anything yeah. like that. So they got a whole band. It's it's the works. Man. Yeah.
0: So 26 then says, so he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. 27, your brother has come home. He replied, and your father has killed. Uh, the fattened calf, because he has made it back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and frustrated to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father. Actually, maybe we'll just pause there. So yeah. so older son hears about what's happening, doesn't go in, but is angry. Yeah. Like, is there anything more that you want to share there or any thoughts in that?
1: I think, you know, uh, as you kind of mentioned earlier, like, you know, um, sometimes part of us and part of me is like, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd probably be angry too, right? If yeah. if this happened to to um, uh, you know my family, something happened, my brother came home, like yeah, got treated like this, like I'd probably be a little frustrated too. But I think that is, um, you know, I can't pinpoint exactly, but if I had to pinpoint that to anything, I think it comes from a place of pride that like, mm. or am I deserving of you know a party? Mm. Am I am I worthy of that? Do I not have sin in my life that um, um that it's a gracious gracious thing of God to like uh, throw a party for me. Right. So, um, I think while, while I think from a human standpoint, we can, uh, you know, we can say, yeah, maybe that wasn't, wasn't equal how they were treated. Um, we have to remember that God doesn't do things by our standards, that God's ways are way better than ours. And, um, and this son was perceived dead right. and they got him back alive. And so that is worth celebrating. But I think this kind of, um, imbalance that we are quickly Hmm. to identify um i think we are uh misunderstanding how we see ourselves thinking that we are deserving um of anything more than what god gives us um Hmm. and i think it requires a bit more humility to realize gosh even the fact that i'm you know for the older son the fact that i'm still at home getting things from you know Getting these resources from my dad is like such a gift, right? And so, um, yeah. So I think it's I think it's rooted in some pride, and I think we yeah. all experience that. I've experienced that before, um, where I think I'm deserving of more than I yeah. more than I have. Yeah, yeah.
0: I think that's absolutely spot on. I I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure that it was through Tim Keller's book, The Prodigal God. Yeah. Um, one of the things that he points out is that culturally, so as the father breaks up kind of his land, he gives a third away. The rest of the third is actually what belongs to, ultimately, the older son. Yeah. And, but with that, also with that inheritance, also comes kind of that that birthright to then once the father would be gone, kind of that that patriarch, he would be then the next to kind of keep his family the namesake, but also to kind of keep in touch with his family. So it's interesting. I, I'm probably not going to say it exactly the way that it mm-hmm. was, but prodigal God, he kind of points out. It would have fallen to the older son's responsibility as the, the younger son runs away. The older son's responsibility would have been to do the father's will and yeah. to seek the son to provide rest restoration between yeah. the father and son. And so it's interesting because he does in just a moment, he says, everything I have is yours, yeah. which is accurate. So the father is giving away the son's inheritance because the son's response, he is literally kind of saying within the cultural understanding the the older son's response is wrong because he should have been the one to seek the younger son to reconcile that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And so I feel like that's, that's a really good point. that was something that uh, honestly it wasn't my point. That was yeah. Tim Keller because he's a lot smarter. Thanks, Tim. Yeah. Yeah. Timmy. <laughs> hey, hey. What's up, buddy? <laughs> um, yeah, that was a great great book, but something that was pointed out that yeah. I think that we don't see and culturally understand, but in that time, they would have understood that. Because of where the father was, the father couldn't be the one to go out and search for his son. Maybe just ailments; he couldn't. He was yeah. older, and even just he wouldn't, because he was told basically that he that the younger son wished he was dead. Yeah, that he was gone. Yeah. So the really older son should have been the one that seeks sought out his brother and brought yeah. them back to to provide. Which is, I mean, what
1: Christ calls us to, right? right? He he kind of gives. Um, uh, his followers, the invite—not even an invitation. It's a commission, right? We see that in the Great Commission that we are invited to um, seek and save that—not save, but seek that which is lost—and yeah. um, and kind of bring them back into the fold, bring them back into the house. Um, so that they can experience the transformative grace of God, right? So, um, yeah, we see a lot. We call it missions and evangelism in the church. It's, it's kind of the modern-day uh, vernacular that we use for those things. So, um, yeah.
0: yeah. So continuing this out, just kind of finishing, it says, the older brother became angry, refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeying your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Hmm. And then 31, the response uh, says, My son, the father said, You were always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Yeah. And I just think that that's, a, again, just a beautiful picture. And again, we're going back to the older son has lost to self-righteousness because yeah. I think I'm pretty sure that you had talked about it on Sunday. You're going, hey, the older son didn't care about the father being around either. Yeah. Like he cared about the father's things. Yeah. And not the things like the actual father. Yeah. So it's
1: like it's like a you know it's like a broken mirror that's mm-hmm. broken saying that mirror's more broken than I am right like you're both broken mirrors and it's because yeah. we see this kind of comparison game in in, uh, in verse twenty nine where he's like hey I've done everything right I've obeyed look at me but then also look at him your son ha- spent all of his money on prostitutes and so I think you know. Christians do that way too often, and I'm guilty of this, I will admit that, but this is not how it should be, that we are just kind of comparing, saying, I'm way better than them, um, but by the standards of standards that god gives us we are all actually incredibly broken um in fact scripture's got some very um real imagery that they use there and it's not very flattering for (laughs) all of us that we are all so broken that we can't even play this comparison game um we all need to to receive this gift of grace from the father and so the fact that the the older son is uh, you know exercising this comparison game here would be is is kind of inappropriate and and it's a broken mirror saying another mirror's broken when mm. you know that mirror's also broken so i think um yeah it's obvious a very clear picture of kind of self-righteousness um that the pharisees embodied and mm. this is why jesus is teaching this this parable here so
0: it's it's amazing though because even in that it's not even in the fact that he's wrong the father in this story doesn't doesn't correct the son Right. It's yeah. not like, well, why do you care more about my no, it's still grace. Yeah. It's it's mercy. Like <laughs> yeah. that's so it ties ties back in, like, God is offering grace and mercy both to the sinners and to the saint. Yeah. Or sinner and the religious elite. Like I say yeah. saint because that pulls us into it, right? Yeah. Like and that's what Jesus very much wanted his listeners to do is to put themselves into the story and where identify where they are in that. Yeah. So I think that it's so amazing that God offers grace and mercy to at every everyone yes at yeah. every turn
1: and it's gonna seem unfair sometimes yeah. uh but it shouldn't because we're all in need of it so uh yeah it's just something to remember that he was trying to remind the Pharisees of so yeah
0: yeah so let me jump I've got one question that is kind of an uh, a bleeding through that I got on Thursday so it was kind of after um last week's message after the overtime but then also kind of um, because it's 15, it pulls part of this. And I, I kind of want to get your thoughts on this as well. Sure. Um, so, and this is the first you're hearing about it. Sorry. Uh, Thanks, Ben. Th- this is the question. It says, Jesus does not clarify that the one lost, speaking about the, the parable of the one lost sheep, doesn't clarify that the one lost was or was not part of the 99, does he? And you're right. No, it's one lost sheep. It doesn't. It doesn't say that he was lost forever and he never part of it, or it's just 99... A hundred sheep, one is lost. Um, so it can't be deduced that there was a flock of a hundred. Well, it can actually. In in the scripture it says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Hmm. So that that is the one in the flock yeah. that is lost. Um, yet there seems to be 99 just as lost because of what appears to be self-righteousness or self-sufficiency is what Jesus is in fact referring to, to the religious group, the Pharisees as the 99. So Jesus goes after the one who knows he needs Jesus because the 99 being self-sufficient don't need him. My mind next goes to the thing uh, to thinking of the church. I don't think that we're assuming that just because we attend church or church activities that one is saved. And then there are those who may be saved yet aren't walking yet are walking away from Jesus and not towards him. Would they not be considered as lost? Would it be considered just lost just because of having a broken relationship with our heavenly Father, and that's it's kind of a bigger part of the question. So I hope yeah. to kind of answer that, and I think that one of the things that I feel like as I as I uh, touched and preached off these first two is that I, I think we have to understand that Jesus cares for all of His sheep right? Mm-hmm. The 99 specifically does, in this case, as we're looking at this parable, refers just back to kind of his listeners, the Pharisees, who don't need repentance. Mm-hmm. We know that they all need repentance, mm-hmm. right? So those 99 that don't need repentance actually do. All of us are lost. That's part of the G- what Jesus is pointing out, mm-hmm. is that we are the lost to self-righteousness, or we're lost in sin. All of us need a shepherd. So mm-hmm. I feel like this kind of goes back to, in part, does Jesus care more about the one lost person than he does about the 99? And the answer is no. He just puts his focus and attention on the one lost, Mm -hmm. right? Like, So his focus and attention is on the lost sheep that is looking to come back, the son that is returning to a right relationship. He cares for all of the sheep, all 99, all 100, but his focus and his energy is spent to that one. Yeah. So I kind of wanted you to speak a little bit to that. Any thoughts yeah. that you had as you look at it? Like, if honestly, if if you've got a different answer than I do, no, we're the same.
1: I, I agree. I kind of think of uh, an image that just popped in my head because you're right. Like every every sheep or you yeah. know all of us are in need of uh, grace and forgiveness, but obvious and in need of repenting or, or you know turning um, turning our lives orienting them to follow Jesus. The, the image that kind of came to my mind is like, imagine a hospital with 100 people in it, um, but one person starting to flatline, right? Um, that The doctors, the, they will give their attention to the person who's yeah. flatlining, right? Again, everyone's in the hospital. Everyone has a need um, for saving, um, but one in particular has a greater need. It's not a perfect metaphor because obviously uh, no one's like saying, I'm going to flatline, um, but it, it's just this image of every you know, Everyone's in need. The need is the same. Everyone needs uh, that care, that grace, that mercy um, to, to survive. Um, but this person in particular, uh, at their juncture in life, is needing it more because they, you know, they are lost. And so we can equivalent that. Make equivalent that they are, you know, flatlining and in need of that extra attention. In the same way that, you know, if someone, le- if a sheep left the flock, it needs that attention too. So I don't know if that helps add to yeah. it, but I, I, you know, the idea that we're all in need, but sometimes the need for one person is greater, um, not because God cares for them more, but because of, you know, the fact that they are lost or they are separate from not where God would have them would intend that they'd be yeah i don't know if that helps
0: the last paragraph of this says i just felt like i needed to give a shout out to those who feel lost in their walk with jesus and that they need to know that jesus pursues them with just as much vigor Mm -hmm. and determination as he does for those who don't know him and you're absolutely right like it's not jesus cares for the lost more than he cares for those that are in the flock no his care is equal and it's great among all of us like it's not like well okay once you're saved you just get thrown into the rest of the bin with the rest of the bin yeah Yeah, like you're just over there no 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 his love his love is something that is hard to grasp and understand because it is constant and never-ending and that pursuit is never-ending yet there is this what we see from this parable a focus on the lost
1: yeah yeah i would say you know it's it's He's, he's appropriately speaking to the needs of the yep. individuals. And so in this case, uh, the needs are different for the 99 sheep that are already in the fold, whereas there's a, a bigger, different need for the one that's lost. And so um, it's almost like personally customized yeah. uh for for what is demanded in that in that moment and in this case in the parable of the prodigal son um there's a there's a greater need for the son he's not at home yeah. um and he speaks to those needs when he gets home he cares for him and loves him but then he says to the son like i've given you everything you need like you have everything that you need why are you expecting like so much more like i've, I've already given you everything and so um it doesn't mean he cares less for the son. It just means your son was in need. Your brother was in need. He was gone. He, we thought he was dead. We are speaking to his needs and we're hmm. welcoming him back. So, um, huh. yeah.
0: Well, any final thoughts? We're about out of time, but yeah. any, any final things that you wanted to share? I thoughts? think
1: we all need to do what the son did, it does. And we have to come to our senses and be very honest yeah. with ourselves. Like yeah. We have to be very honest with ourselves. I think it's super tempting to lie to ourselves and tell us, you know, oh yeah, I'm good, we're great, like I've, I've performed well. Yeah. Um, I think we are fooling ourselves uh, and it would be a shame to prolong that process um, so, and I don't say that to bring about shame or guilt, like, you know, that's something I've wrestled with too. Mm. And so I'm just saying like, let's just be totally honest with ourselves. And I always even say one other person that you trust, um, or a couple other people, right? Um, be honest with yourself and some others about where you're at. Um, because we can't receive, we can't come home to the father unless we realize, mm. oh, like I have nothing. Like I'm, I am. I'm so broken, I need uh, someone to save me and so that's the epitome of being a Christian I think is that moment that we see the younger son come to his senses. I think that's that's the, the best practice of being a Christian is being humble enough to admit, I am really screwed up, I need a savior right And I think that is the, the that's the starting point for our faith and I think if we continue to do that, we'll grow in our faith too. Um, so yeah let's all just come to our senses let's not um let's not lie to ourselves let's just be totally honest about where we're at and then let God speak into that and let community speak into that as well so awesome
0: yeah well thank you so much for joining us today whether you're watching this live shout out to all of you guys thanks for. Uh, commenting in or you're just catching this later we're so thankful to have you as well again you can always email us uh, over time at clcfamily.church for any questions comments thoughts um, or if you want to join us live you can do that any of our different platforms but we will be back next week next week for episode 105 106 105 105. so we will see you then have a great week everybody and we'll see you around take care